You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 114. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Squarespace.com. At the end of this episode, we'll be doing a mini interview with Janelle Allen of ZenCourses.co about her experience using Squarespace. And to kick off Life with Intention Online, which is starting this February, I am so excited to do two live online workshops, helping you to set values-based intentions for every area of your life for free. The first one is this Wednesday, and the next one is next week as well. If you want to join us, I hope you do. I only offer these values-based intention-setting workshops for free twice a year, so get on it if you can by signing up at lifewithintentiononline.com slash intention training. And now let's get on to our Q&As today. I am going to warn you, I'm a little sick still. I feel totally normal, but the symptoms of the cold I had last week are still dragging around. So sorry if I sound a little nasally, but let's move into the questions you guys have shared with me on Instagram. Number one, Gina Paula asked, what are the best self-care tips you can possibly share? That's a great question, Gina, and it's pretty open-ended. So I will say my biggest tip I can say is that for myself at least, make sure that whatever word you're using for the self-care concept actually feels exciting for you. For me, self-care sounds like a to-do list item. I feel like I have to take a bubble bath or I'm doing something wrong. But the truth is I don't really wanna take a bubble bath in my current bath that I have here. So really, I've just found that rebranding self-care to pleasure has been a game changer. Self-care sounds like a to-do list item. Pleasure sounds like I'm getting away with something. Do I want to do a to-do list item in my life or do I want to get away with something? I think the getting away with something, that pleasure just feels more exciting and makes me want to make the time for it or self-care makes me feel like I should be taking the time for it. I'm shooting all over myself when I think about self-care versus pleasure. So for me, that's been a big shift is to figure out how can I find pleasure in this moment? Maybe it's lighting a candle while I work, drinking a warm cup of tea and enjoying the feeling of the warm cup in my hands, especially this winter in Michigan. So those types of things have been really wonderful and ultimately are self-care items in most cases, but just helps me to actually want to take action on it versus feeling like I should take action. Next up, we have Kristen Lynn 328 who asked, if you had to choose your last ultimate meal, what would it be? Great question, Kristen, and I will say I love the gluten dairy-free thing so far, but my last meal would be my mom's macaroni and cheese recipe. I love it because it's not only personal to my family, but also I love me some gluten and some dairy, so I would totally enjoy that as my last meal. I'll share a link in the show notes for this episode if you guys would like to check it out. Next up, we have light... Next up, we have Life Beats Project, who asked, I went to your alt podcasting class last year and it changed my life. I would love to know your top three tips for your new podcasters that you wish you had known when you had started. Well, I am glad that the podcasting class changed your life. I would say that the tips I wish I had known when I had started would be, I send everyone to this, so I'm just gonna do it again. 
go to Pat Flynn's podcasting tutorial. If you are looking to start a podcast, that is the place to go, end of story. Google Pat Flynn's podcasting tutorial and check it out. Everything you need to know to get your podcast started is there. I don't even bother answering questions on it because honestly, he's done such a professional, wonderful, and free job answering questions there, which I use to start my own show. So I would say go there and start implementing what Pat shared. Side note on Pat, he is coming on the show later this month. Next up, we have Emmeline J who said, do you have any tips for creating or sharing values-based intentions with a significant other who is resistant to the idea? Well, Emmeline, I will say you may not like my answer, but I would say if they're resistant to it, I would say do it for you. This is for you to get more peace, joy, and fulfillment, not for them to get peace, joy, and fulfillment. They may honestly be getting a ton of peace, joy, and fulfillment from the way that they're approaching their life. And although you would love to share it with them, that probably trying to force them to do it is not going to be a good thing in the end. It may be something they do but not really stick with, which ultimately would really hurt. So maybe they'd say, sure, because they don't want to hurt your feelings, but they may not really truly be implementing it because it's not coming from within themselves. Their independent will, which is a principle we all need to keep in mind, is most important. They have to want to do it for themselves. So the next step with that would be to fully live your values and you enjoy and get so much joy, fulfillment, and meaning from it that it's emanating from you first and foremost so you're happier done, end of story. But also by being that peaceful, joyful, fulfilled person that you are may actually intrigue them to actually give it a shot later. So though you cannot expect that result to be the outcome of it, that's probably your best chance to actually model the behavior and have them be excited about it. Nothing is more intriguing to people than when they see someone living super vivaciously, then they ask, what's your secret? And the person shares a new diet change or an exercise program that they're enjoying versus them just pushing their ideas on someone else and kind of, you know, always talking about, you know, Zumba, whatever the class or a program might be. So to just truly embody it might be the best way to go about helping someone. Next up, we have Jenny Munder who asked, what routines do you find crucial to live a balanced life? Great question, Jenny. I love this one. I have done many different morning routines throughout the years, and I do think that the morning routines can really set you up for success in general to live a balanced life. So starting off your day, focusing on you rather than focusing on your to-do list is huge. It's a huge game changer. And of all of the things that I have done in the mornings, the two most powerful ones that I would say are my non-negotiables are meditation and a gratitude journal. So that's my current routine. Those are the ones that I'm going to do on the weekends and just try to get 99% of the time to do as a 10-minute meditation, as well as to do a gratitude journal of five things I'm grateful for. So those things I find crucial. Other wonderful things are like working out in the morning or moving your body, doing qigong, or doing a nonfiction reading or a spiritual text or writing to your intuition. Those are bonus things. But to me, meditation and gratitude journal make the biggest difference that are the things I don't want to give up. And the last thing I would say to finding this balanced life and finding it crucial is talking with advisors. So this could be a therapist. It could be a counselor. It could be a life coach. I don't even want to put any labels. I don't even have labels for the two people that I see. I guess I could call them advisors or mentors. 
Sometimes I say the word therapist just because people understand what therapy is, so I can give that label to them. But truly, I don't even know their qualifications are in those areas. I don't think either of them have a therapy background or education. My personal perspective is that experience and actually experiencing someone and finding out whether they can help me is more important than any certificate. That's my personal opinion. Other people are the opposite 180. So they might want the certifications to prove that someone might be a good fit for them. I would say find where you're comfortable and find the fit that works for you. But that to me has been wonderful because when things do get off balance, having a professional, someone that I trust and look up to, to help me make the choices and to see the blind spots in my life are huge. They also help me to tap into my intuition when I've been ignoring it and give me other vantage points and perspectives to explore in order to keep that balance going. So those are my three biggest things, meditation, gratitude journal, and regularly talking with advisors. Next up, we have Ava McCreva, who asked, what are your favorite gluten and dairy-free meals? I also have those restrictions, and I sometimes find myself in a boring pattern of the same meals over and over. P.S. I would love it if you started vlogging. Well, thank you, Ava. I hope to be vlogging, video blogging soon. Got to find an editor for that. So if anyone is a video editor and does video vlogging, editing like the Mimi Icon and Alex Icon videos, please send me an email. I would love to see your work and see if it might be a fit. But when it comes to gluten and dairy-free meals, I am someone who likes to eat the same things over and over. So I am probably not the best person to ask for very very many different types of meals, but I pretty much really rely on Dana Schultz of minimalistbaker.com to give me my gluten dairy-free veggie options. I really love her recipes. I also love avocados on anything from toast to guacamole to sweet potatoes, you name it. Popcorn and deviled eggs are one of my favorite little indulgences when I go out to eat at my favorite restaurant here in Ann Arbor. I'm always ordering those two things, the chili popcorn and deviled eggs along with squash soup or french fries if I'm feeling like french fries. And then at home, my other favorites are brown rice pasta from Trader Joe's. The organic bag is amazing. Don't get the green bag. Go for the blue bag. The organic one is a game changer, as well as blistered tomatoes, basil, olives, and macadamia nut ricotta. So you can make what kind of feels like ricotta cheese using macadamia nuts, water, and lemon. You could Google for the recipe for that. That's a really easy comfort dish when I feel like eating something like macaroni and cheese. Hopefully that helps you, Ava. Next up, we have Whole Foodie Challenge, who asked, what internal doubts or resistance do you currently face? Well, thanks for turning the tables on me, Whole Foodie Challenge. When it comes to my internal doubts or resistance, it's kind of right now around dating to be 100% honest. I am slowly starting to get back into dating here and there and finding a way to make sure that I don't resort to old patterns I had in high school and college when I dated and made it such a big deal and tried to kind of define myself by the dating I was having and that kind of thing. That was definitely my pattern then. And I went through 10 years of having serious long-term relationships, so I haven't really done the dating thing again. And of course, those patterns have obviously from my ego resurfaced because that's a muscle that my ego created so long ago. Now I'm in a totally different place in my life and have totally different personal growth. But at the same time, I'm like, finding how to overcome those limiting beliefs that the ego might want me to fall into, which I used to fall into when I was much younger. Next up, we have Lakin B. Nix, I think is how you would say that. 
she asked, what podcast do I listen to? My three favorites that I probably plus play on the most are The Shalene Show by Shalene Johnson. Love her. Zig Ziglar's show, which Zig has now passed, but they still do his show and they do a really great job incorporating his teachings and new content as well. And Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn when I feel like some business advice. Those are the three I probably press play on the most. Next up, we have Live Half Full who asked, how do you create your wardrobe? As I know you've talked about owning less in capsule wardrobes before. This is so true. I totally did the capsule wardrobe experiment after Caroline Rector came on the show from Unfancy and talked about how great they are. I really enjoyed it and got rid of a lot of clothing that didn't bring me joy from that experiment. But then also what's really sealed the deal for my uh, wardrobe is Marie Kondo's life-changing magic of tidying up. I totally followed her program and did it in the order and in the single day that she explains in her book. And it really made a big impact on me to let go of everything that does not spark joy in my life. So now I have a really hard time buying new clothes because I let go of all the ones that didn't spark joy back then. But now when I buy a new piece, I have to ask myself, does it spark joy? And often I can make a lot of rationalizations about why I should buy something for whatever reason. Maybe it's on sale. Maybe it's pretty nice. Or maybe I do need more sweaters, that kind of thing. Or I think I need more sweaters. Let's be real. But if it doesn't spark joy, I'm not buying it. So I still have a rather really small wardrobe, especially when it comes to warm weather clothing, because I'm now in Michigan. So I need more warm weather clothing than I did in Texas. But this whole joy thing is kind of creating this limiting factor that's kind of stopping me from just getting things that don't really mean something to me or that I don't really enjoy. So I have just kind of kept going with that. I guess I would say that's how I've created the wardrobe I now have. Sometimes I'm a little frustrated and I wish I had more options, but ultimately having more options that don't spark joy is not better just because there's more options. So that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to the wardrobe. Now we have Katarina Cree who asked, can you talk more about the gluten-free diet? I did it this autumn myself and I feel so much better. And are you afraid of becoming intolerant? So when it comes to being coming intolerant, I'm not afraid of that. I enjoy the gluten-freeness. I don't feel bloated. When it comes to the dairy, I don't have the pimples on my skin that I used to have with cystic acne before when I was off of the birth control pill when I was younger. So those are huge things that I really, really enjoy. I also enjoy not feeling tired after I eat and all those types of wonderful things. So I do feel better and less irritated emotionally as well as physically. That was something that one of my advisors pointed out when I was going to go off of the gluten is she said, well, if gluten is an irritant in your system, that when you're emotionally feeling irritated, maybe there is a connection from the physical irritation of your body to the emotional irritation you have. I know that's a huge stretch for some people and might seem super woo-woo, but I thought it was a fascinating connection to think about, which I never you know, put two and two together. I will say I am less irritated physically and emotionally, so maybe there is something to that. And as far as becoming intolerant or being afraid of it, I'm not really worried about that at all. I just know I feel better when I do make those choices but I also am not afraid to make an exception here and there, especially over the holidays when I was traveling for two weeks. I definitely enjoyed some of my very emotional favorite things like the crab mac and cheese over at 
Clark's in Austin. I love that. And though I don't usually eat seafood too often or dairy or gluten, I still made that exception to enjoy it with my brother over the holidays. So I, you know, still will indulge here and there, but I do know that I enjoy the 90-ish percent of the time that I'm not eating gluten. Next up, we have Kendra Volcama who asked, you moved around in the last few years. Do you have any advice on making meaningful friendships in a new community? On another note, have you ever stopped investing in friendships that were not supporting your values? If so, how did you approach the process? Great question, Kendra. When it comes to making new friends, over the last few years when I moved, my big thing has been to rely on meetups. So I go and I am in the crazy fortunate position to be able to meet the lovely people who listen to this show in the cities that I live in. In Austin, my meetup actually is how I met my core group of friends. And then those friends introduced me to friends from that point forward. So I really loved that. And here in Ann Arbor, I kind of had a leg up here because I used to live here. So I still had friendships from when I lived in Michigan before to rely on for new friendships that they introduced me to. But the meetup that I had here was interesting because it also formed friendships for the people that came to the meetup themselves. So there are some people from the Ann Arbor meetup that are now creating a meetup of their own on a regular basis here in town. If you can find a group that you can join or do a meetup for that you have something in common with or may have some shared interests, that could be a great way to meet people. When I was in Chicago, before I had a blog, I didn't have the advantage of, let me just go make a meetup. So in that case, what I did was I joined a team and training running group in order to hopefully meet someone over the 18-week training course. And that was exactly how I made my first friend in Chicago that was a new friend that I hadn't known from before. When it comes to stopping investing in friendships, that are not supporting your values. I totally have done this over the years. Um, As far as one that really sticks out and was intentional and very deliberate, I would say there was a group in college that I was friends with my freshman year and sophomore year, but I found were not really supportive. They were not really positive in my life and I needed to stop seeing them. So it really was just a matter of not seeing them when they invited me out to do things or not reaching out to do things on my own. This was not obviously the easiest thing to do. They did notice that I wasn't hanging out in that group very much. And I don't remember any specific huge call out moments or anything. And it was a little lonely because I didn't have that group that I was used to spending time with. So instead, I took that time and invested it in friendships that I had outside of that group. And over time, everyone shifted, if that makes sense. And we just kind of fell out of touch with the ones that weren't holding me up or weren't bringing me up. And the other ones that were, I got to know better in a deeper way. Next, we have Miss Jane Sarah, who said, how did your friends and family react to your choice to develop lifestyle and values-based businesses rather than working a traditional nine to five? This is a great question. I'm not sure I've ever shared this story before, but when I was in high school with my jewelry business back then, my dad told me very years off into the future, it's all very theoretical at the time, not to get a full-time job, but to take my business full-time right out of college, which is actually what I ended up doing. And he said to do so because when you're in college, you're not used to having any real income or money. So if you start your business when you don't have any real income or money, you're not going to be you know, having a car 
car or a fancy house or any of those things to pay for. So you're going to be used to having very low expenses. So you won't have to make a ton of money to make ends meet. I actually took his advice five or years later or whatever it was and never looked back. I think he also knew at that time that I had just graduated with a great degree from the University of Michigan Business School. So had it gone south, I could have obviously gone and, and got a job if it hadn't worked out. But thankfully it did. When it comes to friends, though, from the business school, I will say they all thought I was kind of crazy to start the business full time at first. But over the years, as their jobs didn't necessarily always pan out in the ways they hoped in terms of how much they enjoyed it or what they were doing, I started to get traction and to get that kind of financial success. And they used to see some of the stuff like getting into Macy's with the jewelry business and that kind of thing in Chicago as like, oh, Jess is really doing well. So it kind of flipped. They went from thinking I was kind of crazy to kind of, you know, really respecting it and maybe being envious of it in some ways over time. That was kind of what it was like when in terms of their reactions. Friends thought it was crazy. Family you know, my dad had literally given me the advice on a very theoretical basis years before. So I guess he couldn't go back on that. So thankfully, no one outright tried to stop me by any means when I did it, although they were all probably pretty interested to see what would happen. Next up, we have Heart Tree Home who asked lots of great questions here. I wonder if you've dealt with fear, if there was any surrounding your divorce. Fear of not finding someone who meets your expectations, fear of loneliness, fear of reactions from friends, family, financial fears of being a single homeowner now, etc. Yeah, the ego has those fears. The ego can have tons of fears. It can invent fears about fears. It could be afraid of having this many fears so that I might manifest more of that reality in my life. It's an infinite loop. It's kind of like one of those mirror fun houses. If you're looking at two mirrors in the right angle, it kind of makes a million mirrors going into infinity. That's like the ego. That's what the fears could totally be. The difference is I didn't pay attention to that fun house of mirrors. I focused on the intuition and the intuition and life circumstances circumstances made it very, very clear for us through many different signs and situations, especially right as we were making that choice. So I focused on the peace that I felt from the intuition and the life circumstances all aligning rather than the funhouse mirror of fear. I also focused on something I call trading two for 20. And actually, in a way, I did this with my career as well. The first two years, like this year and next year, might be more difficult than the two years had we stayed the course and started to have kids and do this big fancy house addition and all the things we had planned to do. If I lived both of those lives, it might quote unquote possibly be better in that it would be staying the course and maybe moving forward in my life at this time in my stage of my life at 31 that I expected. But I would say that the next 20 years, if I am willing to go through the uncomfortableness of these next two, let's say that I have faith that I will be able to find a partner and Mr. Live will be able to find a partner if he chooses to, to align with our values and vision for our futures, that those next 20 years will be far better because we took these two to reevaluate and regroup. I'm trading two possibly uncomfortable years for 20 value-driven years. And actually, these two years are also just as value-driven, so I wouldn't negate these years, but I could see that these may be more difficult. And also, those 20 years and really living in alignment with our values are much more important to me than staying the course because it might be uncomfortable. And in terms of being worried about family or friends' reactions, 
Thankfully, we didn't have to worry about that much because we learned that we could tell them what we wanted and needed from them first, and then they were able to provide that for us. We're also very fortunate that because it was mutual, there was no one that they needed to defend or support because we were both on the same team. So that made it obviously much simpler. And ultimately, they are not living our lives. We are the only ones living this life. And though I love them dearly, I'm not going to live my life or my career or my relationship for them. Though they may have their own opinions and values and they might want certain things for their own choices and lives, they're not me. So I know that I'm ultimately self-responsible for my life and making the choices that are right for me. So that helps as well. When it comes to financial fears of being a single homeowner, I'll quickly touch on that. The crazy thing about our move to Michigan and this big addition that we plan to do is that we were going to double the size of the house. We bought a house that was more affordable than what we could afford and what we were planning to actually ultimately end up paying for. But it worked out perfectly for me in this season of my life because it's affordable. So I can stay here and not do the big addition in the meantime. And in terms of having a 100-year-old house that obviously could need updates and new boilers and that kind of thing, I thankfully have a nice savings account that I can use and draw upon if needed. So I'm very lucky that we made this choice to move here instead of having a fancy expensive rent like we used to have in Chicago or in Austin for the places we've lived in the past. This mortgage is totally affordable and obviously can always sell it and move somewhere new in the future. But I'm really lucky that the financial situation we ended up in without making the big addition was actually really positive. Had we done the big addition, that would have been a totally different story and things would have been much more difficult. We probably would have had to sell it. Now we're going on to Rachel Ann 1116. He said, I am wondering some of the same things about the divorce that Heart Tree Home asked. Your episode on conscious uncoupling was so brave and true. I'm also wondering what, if anything, gave you the final push to make the decision. What made you feel it was the right decision for your future? Well, obviously, as I said, trading two for 20 and the intuition ultimately was the best, most clear thing. So there wasn't like a final push. It was a series of many little things all pushed together all at the same time that made it very clear. But I would say the ultimate feeling of peace that I felt when we really thought this through and both of us felt it was the most validating source of information. Though the funhouse of fear mirrors might still be there, the peace we felt was clear. And also, I think one of the other things that was interesting is it kind of felt like this vision I had for this house and all the plans we were working on at the time started to feel limiting and cramped for us both. Like that future holding hands was going to feel like we're both crouched in a little box instead of standing fully tall and holding hands walking forward together. We're starting to limit ourselves into what we both could agree upon based on our values that we shared. But truly, it started getting to the point where more of our values that were important important to us. We're in the Venn diagram, in the wings of the diagram, not in the center. So that small center just started to feel a little cramped. And we realized, well, we could sit in this and we can keep going with what we can both agree upon. But the truth is, we both rather support each other to live those wings without putting ourselves in the wings ourselves. <laughs> so that's kind of where we ultimately ended up. And we're so grateful that we did. 
Now we have through Camille's eyes who asked, how do you find it in yourself to remain so open and honest about yourself to your audience? Well, thank you for that question. I am glad you do find I'm so open and honest about myself. It's even easier now to be super open and honest after this whole breakup. I think there's something super liberating about being a single person. and only representing myself about my story or what I share with you guys that's even more exciting to be open and honest because I'm not representing a partnership or a family or I'm not protecting or keeping things private because of other people's privacy concerns. So now it's even easier than it's ever been before. But why do I find it open? I don't know. I think I love talking about serious, meaningful things. That's kind of what I try to do with the shows and the guests that I have so that it can be useful for you and helpful for you. And I just know that's what to me is meaningful in life. So I want to share that meaning with you myself too. And also I'm a big fan of what Joyce Meyer says is letting my mess become my message. If I truly want to help you, my hope is that I'm able to share my experiences that I go through with you so that anyone else that's going through something similar can relate, resonate, and hopefully glean something out of my situation that may be of service to them. So that's kind of where that whole being open stuff comes from. Next up, I have Declare Janu who asked, I'd like to know your routine from taking care of yourself to taking care of the house, like cleaning, etc., or anything else you do to maintain your life, anything besides work. Love your show as always. This is a great question, especially today because I am realizing I'm not so great at taking care of all of the other things in my life, especially without a husband. So I'm going to be getting help to do so. I'm realizing that I really want to live and spend my time according to my values. And right now that looks like spending time doing things that bring me pleasure, spending time with friends and working and serving you. But things like cleaning and making sure that things are taken care of around the house is not something that I'm super value driven about. So what I'd like to do is not live in a place that, you know, needs to be cleaned <laughs> all the time or that the, you know, the refrigerator is empty, but find ways to get help in those areas. My hope is to spend my time serving you here more and taking that time that I love to do that with and taking that income I can earn and use that to support the other things that I don't enjoy, like the house cleaning and the cooking, etc. So my experiment right now is to try having someone help clean the house a few times a month and also to look into how to get more prepared foods delivered or pick them up so that I don't have to do as much cooking, but still can keep serving my body and deriving it in the ways that it needs to with the nutrients it needs. Because I don't like going to the grocery store. I don't like even going to pick up the prepared foods if I'm totally honest. I'd much rather be spending my time off of work with friends and family or coloring or watching murder mysteries. Every person's different. I have friends that are, my mom especially, super on top of the day-to-day tasks of running a household. I am just not. I love decorating, but that's about it when it comes to taking care of the day-to-day stuff. Mr. Lively was super helpful for that in the past. And now that he's not there to help me work it into my routine to do together, I really have no interest in doing it on my own. So I'm going to get this experimenting of help to see if that can help offset. Next up, we have Carrie Corrigan Welchel, who asked, 
What is your plan for dealing with the loss of income a spouse adds to a household? How are you using the values-based intention approach to make those hard decisions and cuts? Well, thankfully, as I mentioned earlier, I have an affordable home already in the current situation because we weren't maxed out by any means. So I am happy to say that financially things aren't really cut because I'm in a place I can afford. I'm also working with a bookkeeper to keep on top of the finances to hopefully make sure things continue to go well and to learn what I can afford to pay myself versus what I need to keep reinvesting in the company. Those two things are really helping me not have to make decisions or cuts. However, had we had that big house addition like we had planned, it totally would have been a different story. And also making sure that I have a good savings account to help account for any unexpected expenses is also essential. Now we're going to move on to Katie Sink's question who asked, about this time last year, you hit a bit of a wall and took a short break from the podcast. I'm curious what is different now? What's more balanced, smoother, or easier? Because it does seem that although things have been better for you since then, maybe calmer even, you're still working hard. Thank you for opening up to all the questions. Thanks, Katie. Yes, last year I totally burned out and needed a break between season one and season two of the show. And I really did some deep diving into what my life needs in order to survive and thrive, more importantly. And even still, did continue to work really, really hard all of last year, but not in the burnout level by any means until the holidays. And then I finally was like, oh, I just want to spend time with friends and just do fun, fun things. So I did take a mental break for a few weeks, even though I still delivered on things I had to get done. The things that helped me get through the rest of the year were getting help producing the podcast first and foremost. That is a huge effort, though I still edit these Tuesday episodes I'm starting to add back in. Some of them I'm still editing, but having help on the Thursday shows where I'm still doing my round of editing, but having them execute is huge and then continuing to grow the team even more to help with the launch of life with intention and the execution factor and also getting an assistant to take care of more and more tasks when it comes to website upkeep etc so that I can focus my time with you really what I'm realizing is I want to focus my energy and effort on values on the work I do with work and worth with the values-based intentions in the lively show. So I'm learning to build a team around all the other aspects that need to be taken care of in the business so I can spend my time with you. That's been huge. And also getting help for the home stuff, like I mentioned. So the things I don't want to do at the house, hopefully getting more help there will help continue to make it balanced, smoother, and easier, as you mentioned. For the last question of the day, Kay Barbados asked, you have been self-employed your entire career. What did you use to make ends meet if months were slow or to pick up sales when you were just starting? Did you have to work any odd jobs or side gigs? Great question. For three months, I think it was, I think it was September to December or January, I did my first year of business have one day a week where I worked at a little store named She Won in Chicago. The owner of the store, I was selling her jewelry and she asked me to work her store one day a week so she could have a day off. She still allowed me to make jewelry while I was there. So it's kind of like instead of working at home for seven hours that day, I would work in the store and get to see people, which was a nice change of pace as an extrovert who was working at home all the time, making this jewelry, listening to books on tape to keep myself occupied and to feel like I had company. So the other beautiful thing about that job was that it paid $10 an hour. So I got $70 a week in addition to the jewelry income that I had made. 
that was huge because it gave me this spending money, the $70 a week that I could spend without taking money from the income I was earning from the business to spend on myself and to enjoy going out to eat or to have drinks with friends and to kind of live a more similar life to what my friends had with their paychecks that they got every week. So that $70 was huge as far as fun spending money goes to help me not have to use that from the actual income I was earning for rent and utilities and business supplies, et cetera. And there you have it. Thank you guys so much for your questions. I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to all of the questions you guys had. If you guys are interested in me doing more of these Q&A episodes, please let me know on the Instagram post or here in the show notes for this episode. If you would like to hear more of these episodes, you can go to the show notes at jesslively.com slash January questions. Before I share who's coming up this Thursday on the show, let's talk with Janelle Allen of zencourses.co about her experience using Squarespace. Janelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, Jess. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Janelle Allen. I have been an online course designer for about eight or nine years. I have an offline business called LearnWise LLC, where I help businesses create online courses. And about a year ago, I decided that I wanted to help entrepreneurs create courses. So I launched Zen Courses to do that. Awesome. And where are you located? I'm in the great city of Chicago. Fantastic. How cold is it right now? (laughs) (laughs) It is about 15 degrees and snowing right now. So it's it's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're about the same here in Michigan. So tell us about your decision to choose Squarespace for your site since you've been doing things online for so long. Yeah, so that's a great question. This is about the third time that I've launched a blog. I've had a couple other ones and I always used WordPress because that's kind of what you always heard about. And this time I knew that even though I knew how to code and all that stuff that I could do, I didn't want to put my energy there. I wanted to be able to focus on the content. And so I looked into solutions to use something that would help me get started, get up and running very quickly. Squarespace was that solution. And I haven't looked back since. Was it uh, adjustment going from WordPress to Squarespace? It was. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're using WordPress, you're very used to just having to figure things out and put pieces together, which is part of what makes WordPress great. But with Squarespace, it's all built into the package. So you kind of have to think differently of how to use the different blocks um, and the different drag and drop portions to make it look the way that you want. Was it easier overall than having to hire someone to do a lot of the tricky stuff on WordPress? Yeah, I'm a do it yourself first. So whenever I did WordPress, I always did it myself, except for my business site where I, I hired someone and spent about seven grand to, uh, to get my site together. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> That's so, an investment. <laughs> definitely an investment. And I knew just being a business owner, I knew that I didn't want to start off Zen courses that way, especially when you're first starting out, you you know, you may not be making income. So I just was looking for something that could get me up quickly, beautifully, and for a low cost. Awesome. And what do you love about Squarespace the most? First, I love how beautiful it makes your site look. I love how easy it is to use. The drag and drop functionality is amazing. But I also really love the fact that there are certain features built into it that you would normally, if you were using WordPress, you'd have to pay extra for. Like the announcement bar, you can easily add that instead of having to use the hello bar or something like that with WordPress. And then you have the cover pages, which can be used as landing pages. So I love all of that. 
And for anyone who is thinking about giving Squarespace a try this new year, you can get 10% off of your service by going to squarespace.com lively. And you get the free 14-day trial with that. But also by using the code lively at checkout, you're going to get that 10% off of your service going forward. So give it a try. And then, of course, enter the code lively to get that savings. So, Janelle, where can people find you online? The best place to find me is at zencourses.co. That's Z-E-N-C-O-U-R-S-E-S dot C-O. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. And now for a sneak peek. This Thursday, we're speaking with author and coach Tara Moore of Playing Big about why women tend to, not always, but sometimes play small in areas of their lives and how to overcome it. It's a fascinating conversation. I can't wait to share with you. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today, guys. <laughs> 